Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 12 of the Web3 show. Uh, unfortunately, I'm only bring, bringing one of the the other two uh, wizards of Web3 today. Unfortunately, uh, Galactic Q is stuck on the farm and he's <laughs> retreated into isolation and uh, on, on holiday and doing whatever else he, he does. Uh, uh, but I still have... Your guy in TradFi, of course, making trades as usual. And uh, myself, Luca, the front man of the show, will be with you. Today we'll be taking you through everything. We won't, at, at, the, ris at, the, at the risk of uh, not uh, stepping on Q's toes, uh, we won't be doing a market update. We'll be doing a slightly different introductory se segment to the, to the show. Um, pioneering I, I stole the idea from from coinbase ventures but uh we'll, we'll talk into that um luca how are you feeling bro good to have you with me yeah thanks luca feeling good market it's, seems stable so like you were saying just in that awkward awkward uh 37 38k range still yeah yeah i guess we'll see what happens feels Mark a bit empty without q hey yeah, <laughs> I was kind of, as I was speaking about it, sort of expecting him to jump in with uh, some feedback. But... With the market update. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I want to try to talk as little as possible about market fundamentals and what's going on, yeah. obviously, besides <laughs> just the, besides just no, the... not drawing up a technical analysis. No, no, I think... Live on the show. I think they'll be held to pay with the the people who who come back week after week for Q's technical analysis and all his trading jargon. Um, we're going to be a bit more boring, stay on the surface, high level. Um, but Luca, let's jump to around the block, um, which is the thing I stole from Coinbase because um, I realize Coinbase Ventures also publish a weekly around the block, um, just covering like news around crypto and Web three and everything that's going on. Um, over the last week, did besides... You, did you steal the contents of the Coinbase around the block as well? I did, completely. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read them out. <laughs> like, I, I think there's, there's, no, there's no original content right in the show, I think. <laughs> um, besides uh, the meltdown of, of the Wonderland protocol and time, the time token and everything um, to do with Danny Sestagali and Sifu which we'll get into, which is the main topic of today's episode. Luca, what else has caught your eye over the past week in crypto, Web3, uh, DGen, memes, whatever else? Um, uh, the the one, one thing which, which has been quite interesting to watch is uh, the OpenSea competitor looks rare. Yes. So they, they launched kind of with a, uh, I guess, a beta product. It, it, it worked. Um, I mean, it had its flaws, but the, the idea is basically that protocol fees are redirected to stakers of the governance token, um, and a hundred percent of fees. So, unlike OpenSea's model, um, the holders of this uh, governance token get a stake basically in the profitability of the platform. But so, LuxRare are actually taking don't take any of their fees. No, 100% goes to stakers of the governance token. And it goes, it goes even further. So um, they, they pay you. So, so first of all, the fees are paid in ETH. 
right? Which is big. It's not. It's not in the governance token. It's 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 the actual ETH tron, uh, uh, fees on the trades, um, and then you get incentives in the actual governance token, um, the looks token, basically when you do a trade. So you're being paid to trade. You can think of it as a discount, effectively, um, and they've actually been gaining market share. So initially, it was you know large whale transactions that were generating most of the fees, but more and more projects have listed. They've kind of been developing on the fly. So kind of contrary to the open sea um, way, of, way of doing things, which is, I guess, very slow and, and incremental looks or, or just kind of building on the fly. Um, and it, it may be one of the altcoins which has actually been doing okay. In, in the past, and it'll be really interesting to, to see what happens. Obviously, we don't have Quinet here. You could give us some of the technicals on the price action, but as a long-term <laughs> investment, it, it really is compelling. If you think of volumes on OpenSea, billions of dollars, right? You think of maybe 250 basis points of fees uh, generated on the platform, 250 basis points of a couple of billion going to stakers of the governance token. I mean, the remarkable thing is this revenue is not dependent on the actual governance token. So it's not funded by emissions. It's just funded by a, a real real business revenue, basically. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I think it's it's really stood out to me as a, as a success story in the past week. So it's not funded by the, the 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 rewards aren't funded by the emissions of the Lux token, but you're saying rather by distribution of the ETH that's paid in in the transaction fees is that what you is that what you mean or did i get yes so there's an actual revenue source for token holders right so and then you're getting the extra the discount for trading and actually using the platform exactly so so there are still incentive structures surrounding this looks token but it it has a revenue source which is not dependent on the price of the token itself right yes which is yes the, which is the key which is the key failing of many altcoins, right? That revenue is basically driven by token emissions. And so it's a function of the token price and, and indirectly then a function of altcoin trading volumes. If you look at the looks token, um, a, a portion of the price is going to be the market's attempt to gauge value capture by the looks real platform from OpenSea. It's, it's an incredibly exciting concept. And I mean, just a slight tangent on that, Luca. We spoke about this the other night, actually, when uh, you dropped the, the the biggest red pull <laughs> on on me uh, of my life that I've probably ever received. Um, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, interesting how you're talking about an altco altcoins where the a lot of it is based on this emission schedule and to the tokenomics are just completely out of whack. And like you say it's sort of that that sort of made you lose faith in um the market I, I don't want to misquote you either but just saying that when evaluating alt these altcoin projects it's fundamental to look at these emission schedules and the tokenomics about it because that can i mean if if they're all if they're skewed these these tokens will tend to zero and like yeah, what absolutely. you the, the sense i'm getting is that you think the looks rare uh, well, the looks rare token is then tied actually to the the functioning product, which is what you want to see in a in a long term investment, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's literally revenue redirection to token holders. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I think I can count on two hands the altcoin projects where tokens allow you to capture revenue which is not denominated in the governance token of the platform. So What's the other one? Based. Other one to looks rare. Um, I, I would have to. I would have to think about it a bit did, more. Did you I mean, say I you could, could you you could count on two on on uh, one hand, but you didn't know the other projects that were included no, with no, looks rare? They're so rare. So yeah, it's sure. Not, it's not sure. similar projects. I mean, if I if I think really hard, um, you know, Anchor Protocol's governance token is interesting. Right, it's it's got an actual revenue generating platform underlying the the product and the token. Um, they're redeveloping their tokenomics, um, I believe. But uh, I, I mean, there are there are many examples, none as good as looks rare. Yeah, and I think that that also comes back to the crux of what Web three, the the vision of Web three is to be. You know, per a lot of what Chris Dixon has said, um, you know, what he's been spoke, speaking about since last year and on, on that, um, you know, that Tim Ferriss podcast with him and Naval that we always point to. Um, that is, I think that is the, the true vision of what we all working towards a functioning platform, a functioning product where users get to share in the revenue and actually share in the value that that platform's creating. Um, not just the private investors and the founders dunking essentially dunking on the users in the long long term because of how this these token structures are are created or or built basically yeah i mean maybe another example would be the polka dot token i know we chatted about it briefly i mean there you've got sure it's it's there is an annual emission rate but this token basically allows you to participate in polka dot parachains we've also discussed those on the episode and that's basically a revenue stream for token holders that is not derived from the actual uh, governance token itself. Yes, and, and you're actually you're enabling... basically yeah. get to participate in new token offerings in a fair way. Um, yeah, so and and, and as you, you as a user of or, or participant in that ecosystem gets to put your tokens to work and in the effort of building out that ecosystem, um, which yeah. which uh, points to that value sharing, um, that sharing in value, and then you get rewarded for that. Um, but super interesting with the looks rare thing, you know that whole thing with the wash trading. Hey, that's that's super interesting. How traders, um, obviously, it's a it's a brilliant way they've they've sort of um, structured the whole thing to steal market share from OpenSea and essentially compete. But what they're finding is these traders are basically have two wallet addresses and they're just trading the NFT between the two wallet addresses and taking their 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 looks token drops. Um, I don't yeah, know if that got free market. <laughs> yeah. Like Look, I mean, whether it's a good, or, I didn't say it's a bad thing, but I, I mean, whether it's a good or bad thing can be debated. Um, that's just how it works, right? Yeah, I mean, you always you always uh, benefit the most when you're early. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Speaking of NFTs, Luca, you, you, <laughs> you. Uh, I was sitting in the office and I, and I actually had to hold myself back from laughing out loud. Um, you put out such an awesome tweet 
um, retweeting uh, Paris Hilton talking about something about her, her NFT. What what was it? Her NFT project or something doing? And and the quote was um, uh, the the NFT the NFT top is in. Please explain. Look, I, well, well, I mean, I just saw uh, Paris Hilton entering the metaverse, um, and. Uh... I, I don't really know what could signal the top more than that, uh, to be entirely honest. And, and actually, interestingly enough, there have been quite a few high-profile board app sales. Um, I think smart NFT traders are locking in, uh, locking in profit on their NFTs. I mean, yeah, there's been a huge yeah. swell in prices and hype, um, and I mean that usually always precedes a cool off. So, yeah. Um, I think Paris Hilton was just, it was almost like it just jumped out at my face. <laughs> like what, what is she going to offer? You know, I guess maybe a live concert where, you know, you, your entry into like a VR uh, space is, is an NFT or but something. But I don't I'm think she's sure. a singer though. So what's, is, is she a singer? She's a DJ though, isn't she? Oh my God. You can't tell me you're going to go to a party <laughs> and see Paris Hilton DJing. I'd rather go... I'd, I'd rather go see Paulie D from Jersey Shore. <laughs> DJ. But what, um, you know, I have to be honest, aside from the looks rare thing, I, I, I'm not really up to date with what's been happening. Was there anything else of interest on the dockets around the block? Well, speaking, while we're on celebrities, um, I found quite interesting uh, LeBron James has partnered with Crypto.com um, the crypto exchange um, to I'm just reading here from CoinGecko the collaboration is to provide blockchain related education and resources to underrepresented uh, underrepresented populations and obviously crypto.com <clears throat> purchased the Staples Center uh, last year and credit card i wonder yeah that debit card we should on the show we should actually test that card out maybe even i think so i've been keen to three of us i've been keen to luca because maybe we should even get the binance card as well and that you just like give it a go Um, yeah um, thinking about it future future sponsorship for the web 3 show (laughs) (laughs) crypto.com if you're listening you've got three new influencers (laughs) you've got three new up-and-coming influencers to uh 
to to partner with now. But also interestingly, um, then I saw I read an article. Um, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Tom Brady also announced his retirement from the NFL, and he's actually expressed his interest in crypto. So it's interesting looking at all these mainstream celebrities and influencers dipping their toes into crypto. And I guess, in a sense, like we were just talking about Paris Hilton, yes, it could indicate the top of a hype cycle, but it also makes you think, you know, mainstream people are bringing in and as uh, bringing or coming into crypto. And as these big time celebrities come in, they bring with them a whole huge fan base. So I like the thing LeBron's doing with sort of bringing, you know, educational content and, and him being the face of it, like he did with Calm, uh, the mental health uh, app. He did like a masterclass with them. So it'd be cool if like crypto.com did a masterclass with him, um, like educating people on crypto. I think that's yeah. much needed um, in the space. Tom Brady's actually building a, a NFT startup, Luca. Uh, called, I think I've heard, yes. Yeah, called Autograph. They raised $170 million from Katie Horn, Kleiner Perkins, and you'll, you, you won't be surprised to hear that they also raised from uh, Andreessen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a platform, NFT platform that's helping athletes and other famous individuals create and market their own digital collectibles, which I think yeah. is huge, um, which is cool. So he's building in the space. He's also dipped his toes um, Aside from that, there was India's um, 30% uh, capital gains tax on yes. on uh, crypto transfers and, and sales. But people were saying that was a good thing. Like, I don't know. Is that a good thing? I, I, I mean, thought... yes. Like, they've been back and forth from a policy perspective on crypto. The fact that right. they're kind of introducing some sort of real framework uh, is really positive. Oh, yes, because they were planning on banning it right like that you kind of never know uh, what what the, the next kind of guy is going to be doing um so it's, it's nice to get some clarity on that front. yeah yeah right i think that's a, about it for around the block um luca let's dive into the main topic uh for today we'll basically be covering the meltdown of the wonderland protocol um tie the time token as it's tied to. And uh, the time token's currently trading for $307. Um, and now as a, as a serious altcoin, that might seem high. But just for context, it was trading around November, trading at all-time highs around $10,000. So it's, it's, 90, it's down 95% since then. And it was already around 90% down. Um, I think it sort of moved with the market all the way down to last Thursday before this massive news broke about one of the the co-founders and basically main treasury stakeholders looking after people's funds. Um, But before we get there, um, Luca, I don't know if you want to have a go at uh, breaking down the Wonderland protocol, how it works. I think this is super interesting also for people who um, want to understand these DeFi projects. Like uh, the Wonderland protocol is a fork of the the Olympus DAO um, DeFi protocol, which is also super interesting. Um, Luca, do you want to? I, I know you're more of the DeFi guy than I am, so do you want to have a go at explaining <laughs> I, I, I these? Uh, honest, um, it's very it's, convoluted, though. It, it's very convoluted. Um, I, I guess that the central idea is that there is a treasury in this project where basically 
the token entitles you to a proportionate uh, share of this treasury. So there's a certain backing price that your token shouldn't drop below. It's almost like it's almost like owning shares of a company where you know you've got intellect, you've got like IP, basically potentially infrastructure. Uh, like there's some intrinsic value to a company, like the assets, the cash flow, the 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 pieces of the company that actually give that share value, uh, yeah, which is clearly missing in a lot of crypto tokens. Today, so basically, not based on future <laughs> yeah. revenue, but like yes, yes, what what yes. what is on the balance sheet today. So basically, it's a token, a, a project with a with a balance sheet, um, and, and you hold a piece of that. I mean, I think there's an important distinction between. Basically, projects which which are autonomous and just serve a purpose versus projects where things are actively managed. So effectively, it, it kind of DeFi in general just merged together um, and this distinction blurred. And you have this idea that you're investing in something robust, autonomous, decentralized, whereas actually uh, in the case of Wonderland, it was quite the opposite. I think the reason this drama has hit such a nerve in DeFi in general is because it's exposed a lot of the vulnerabilities. Actually, decentralized finance is fragile. There are a few core protocols kind of built by really strong devs in the past, kind of iterated upon battle-tested, like Curve Finance, that stable swap uh, side uh, is an example of as an example. Um, these are autonomous platforms which are not actively managed, so to speak. And that's what like you just to drive the distinction home, Luca, that you're talking about a smart contract that essentially executes code without without any human intervention where these yeah. where the Wonderland protocol actually has two people in this case, Sifu and uh, Danny, Dan, Danielle, Danielle Sestagali, however you say his name properly. Um, <laughs> Danny, Danny Sester, Danny Sester, I'll say it like that. Um, where they are actually, you know, you t- spoke about, you, you told me offline that meme about the supreme leader, Mao. You know, they are essentially the supreme leaders of the, of the protocol and you have these scenarios where uh, Sifu was actually the treasurer um, he looked after that the treasury, the the cash pile of the protocol, and he initiates buybacks and stuff like yeah, that so, to so actually to. There's, there, there's active management yes. versus Im- immutable code, which just kind of keeps running. Yes, on exactly. Own. So exactly. Curve, the Curve Finance team can't suddenly uh, migrate tokens from one pool to another, right? Yeah. Like they, it is extremely limited what the Curve Finance team can do. Um, I believe it's not even possible to upgrade existing uh, code. They kind of have to like add layers on top almost. It's really it's it's really built in such a way that user funds are safe. And and then you've got Wonderland, where basically, <laughs> I mean, it it shocked me to the core, but basically these guys can just move a hundred million around here, a hundred million around there. So. So effectively, what you're doing, basically, it turned out that in the end, you were investing in something like a hedge fund, except you didn't have any of the protections that you would have as an investor in a registered hedge fund. Hedge fund. Yeah, exactly. So basically, so- we're completely at the mercy of the guys running the protocol. And, and in the end, I think what Sifu funneled 
couple million dollars through Tornado Cash and just uh, took his exit. Yeah, so then, so obviously, then just to draw back, uh, for to fill in the gaps for for before we jump too far ahead with getting into all of that stuff, uh, the the takeaways, uh, basically, you know, I think the 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 protocol had sort of been hit hard by the market drawdown and sort of the the decrease in the treasury assets, and and as that happens, I think a key fundamental uh, component, obviously, Luca, jump in, uh, where I mess up my my D, DeFi terminology or or sort of how the, how the, um, my explanations of how the thing works. But when the treasury decreases below, um, below the value of the, the token or the token's intrinsic value decreases below a certain point, that, that collateral balance in the treasury, um, the, the protocol buys back tokens to artificially increase the price of the token. And the, 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 the treasury was then controlled by, by Sifu, uh, this anonymous sort of character who last week Thursday it the news broke and there was a there was a brilliant thread um, by this anonymous uh, sort of user or he, he's sort of like a coffeezilla um, type on Twitter Zach XPT.eth on on Twitter he basically got a great account he, he basically got into a whole and I think he does this on the regular he does this whole like investigative sort of um, like sniping around the crypto crypto land the, and, and the, the BitBoy. Yes, we can, we can, um, we we can uh, at the at the end, Luca. Um, oh, oh, that, that is that the meme section. Okay, that's the meme section. That's the meme section. BitBoy, BitBoy is back. Um, <laughs> no, so so he basically exposed through a Telegram chat with Danny, um, Danny Sester, who for people who also don't know, he's one of the most basically the biggest acclaimed, one of the biggest acclaimed DeFi builder or yes, DeFi builders in the web three space, um, who has a basically a cult following, uh, called the frog nation. And I, I don't truly understand the frog nation as yet, but I think Luca, you, you have a better idea about who they are and the types in, in there. But basically this guy is a, is an excellent builder and he has a diehard community following. And he's created these different protocols like Wonderland, Popsicle finance, and, I think he's also had uh, had input cool. into into Abracadabra. Yes, exactly. And that was the one I was missing. Incredible product. Yes, so incredible product. Worth underpinning. Like the reason Wonderland was such a fiasco is because this guy is has built incredible protocols. He's prolific. Popsicle he's prolific. Finance. He's prolific. Popsicle finance really also drives revenue, basically, to to token holders. It's it's profitable. Like it, he's. Abracadabra money, game changing, really a whole shift, a whole paradigm shift, I would say, actually, um, sort of kickstarted the whole DeFi 2.0 thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, Abra- Abracadabra has 3.3 billion, over $3 billion total value locked. So I think this guy, he's basically created about, about five, like north of $3 billion of, of value. Right through his through his protocols and what he's built and and everything, so he's he's prolific as we say. But then the news breaks through Zach XBT that this guy Sifu, who's who's the treasurer and basically has control through the uh, through uh, multi multi sigs um, of the Wonderland Treasury, he's a multi sig holder with Danny and uh, I, I don't know Luca, a couple of other people maybe, but. It breaks that he is—he was the co-founder of Quadriga CX, which I, I didn't know of until 
I started digging into the story, but basically is a defunct centralized crypto exchange from 2018 where, um, and so his, his actual name is Michael Patron. Going back to 2004, to, uh, 2005, Sifu's old name, first name was actually Onan, Oman Danani or something. And he had basically been arrested for credit card fraud and a bunch of other financial crimes. And he actually spent about a year and a half or two years in jail. Then he gets released and he changes his name to Michael Patron and he gets involved with Gerald Cotton, the founder of Quadriga CX. And I'm not, uh, not going to dig into the story of what happened there, but basically, uh, allegedly, Gerald Cotton uh, passed away or something happened. He disappeared with about $169 million dollars. Because I think he allegedly, Luca, you can also correct me if I'm wrong and if I'm any if on anything here. Um, allegedly, he he you know passed away and he was he held all the private keys to the exchange and left and you know basically uh, uh, customers of the exchange got left holding the bag and 169 million dollars vanished. So he was part of uh, so Michael Patron, who is Sifu, was part of this mess as well. He's a convicted felon, and he is part of one of the biggest, you know, exchange frauds uh, apart from Mt. Gox in crypto. I think he was deported from the U.S. He was also deported. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, but but to 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 reiterate again, this guy is a like I think I can't gloss over this more. This guy is a convicted felon for financial crime. <laughs> you know, fifteen, sixteen years ago, that he's committed. And there were pictures going around of him on the internet. This guy looks dodgy as hell. And basically the news breaks that he is in fact Sifu. And he is a multi-sig holder of Wonderland's treasury. And that I think at, at the time was around $800 million or a billion dollars around there. It's current, the total value locked in the protocol is currently sitting at 283 million dollars so as you can imagine there was a huge liquidation everyone started selling unloading and once that happens luca this is uh, where you need to come in with your DeFi uh, wizardry once that happens you have those cascading liquidations right where there's huge selling pressure and basically the protocols forced to liquidate everything right yeah, uh, so, so there, there was almost this like interdependency between danny protocols where abracadabra the money allowed to yes yes and the treasury engaged in in kind of leveraged LP positions. Holders engaged in a lot of leverage and set their liquidation price to under the, the, the backing amount. So again, there is a treasury, there's an intrinsic value. So people felt quite safe, kind of 500 basis points below the... The actual uh, intrinsic below value. Below the backing value. But then, you know, obviously... It's, it's not perfectly efficient and cascading liquidations knocked a lot of people out. So a lot of people lost a lot of money. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that the key, I think we, if, if we circle back for a moment, there was that, you know, we made the point that there's this idea that DeFi protocols in general are just this safe autonomous code. And so it almost doesn't matter who the team is because your money is safe. And hacks come from the outside. But what this is, this is kind of really illustrated is, is that that's not the case, actually. And for the majority of projects, maybe north of 90%, it, it really matters who is on that team. 
basically, because they have access to your funds. They can they can move uh, they can move your tokens. I mean, Sifu just took the cash for himself now, right? Luca, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I think and, there, and there's been people have been Luca. People have been posting on Twitter screenshots of EtherScan. The guy's been doing multiple ETH transactions out of his Sifu.eth account. Yeah, north of 100 uh, Yeah, yeah time, to, right? to, like, yeah, exactly, to Tornado Cash and just uh, breaks the link. Maybe, maybe what a, point... Just explain quickly what Tornado Cash does because I, I've actually never heard of it before tonight. Uh, and neither did I before I oh. um, read a couple of interesting Twitter threads on this. Uh, basically, Tornado Cash is like a mixer. So you can anonymize recipients. So, so he's basically he's basically laundering the money. Basically. I mean, there's some conspiracy theory that this tornado cash is like a honeypot for, <laughs> for <laughs> law enforcement because all the founders of all the other mixers have basically been arrested and thrown in jail. And this is the only one which is basically trading on Binance, I think, even. <laughs> so... So I mean, maybe Sifu gets nabbed. We'll we'll have to see. But I think I think maybe it's it's worth just hopping on on this point just just a little bit further. Yeah, one for of sure. the like one of the like main trust metrics is total value lost, right? Like you generally, and I mean, I've I've fallen prey to this as well. You you look at a, a project and you think to yourself, how big is it? If it's big, it's safe, right? Like if there's if there's people which have put a billion dollars into this, my ten thousand dollars is safe, right? So you have this you have this weird kind of thing where you you associate total value locked with safety, so bigger protocols are safer, and again, it's 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 misleading. There there are a number of things that could be inflating these these values. You know, like if there's one platform we've invested in, Luca, they, <laughs> uh, I won't I won't name any names, but basically their their total value loss includes includes the whole uh, a whole bunch of the kind of governance token, which is locked in smart contracts. So basically it's a it's a stable coin farming platform. But yes. <laughs> their total value loss is like 70% the governance token, which is not a stable coin, it's just an altcoin. Um, so, so things in general are misleading. Projects are incentivized to hike their TVLs to attract people, uh, to kind of further grow this TVL, and generally not enough attention is paid to the teams behind the projects. And the and obviously the the privileges that the those team members have, like in this case yes, where yes. literally they have control of the of of the treasury and they they make the decisions and and in essence it it doesn't it's not de, it doesn't become decentralized it takes away the decentralization that people are flocking to DeFi for and I, I think this this point is so important Luca about the cost of anonymity which is a huge yeah. takeaway I think for both for for both of us I think this was a massive takeaway and then, uh, I must point people to there's a great piece that was written by. Um, a guy, I'm just checking, checking Joseph Weinberg. Um, he's an early investor in Bitcoin in 2010. Um, he wrote an opinion piece on CoinDesk, just about a bunch of takeaways from this. And he was at, he's a Canadian. He was involved in Quadriga CX, or not involved, but I'm saying he he sort of, um, I don't know if he lost money, but he knew people who lost money in it uh, because it's a Canadian exchange. And he talks about, you know, the these the about choice and trade-offs and how, there is the trade-off of 
anonymity where with a founder who has control and brings in brings in someone who like Danny brought in Sifu, you know, saying, Oh, you know, I'm not gonna judge him on his on his previous misdoings or, or you know, wrongdoings. Um I'm gonna judge him on his work on his work done now and how I know him now. Yeah, he made a decision for every token holder. So again, we back at the we back at the trusting a person thing. Whereas the whole uh, the whole facade of this DeFi thing is autonomous code, where you know you don't need to worry about people right pulling you, basically. Um, and you've got these influential people which have a lot of capital. They can inflate their TBL values themselves, attracting more capital, and it's just this kind of cycle. So they can quickly bootstrap like in the case of Wonderland, a, a multi-billion dollar kind of protocol, uh, which then sucks in a bunch of uh, retail. And again, there's, there's basically zero accountability, right? Um, so I, I think this, uh, look, I will say one thing though. Um, with Wonderland, I mean, the part of the call to it was that ridiculous APY they were offering stakers, right? What was it, like 80,000? 80,000%. 80,000%. What is that? Is that like a... APY uh, currently eighty eight still eighty two thousand percent APY. <laughs> well, what is that in X's? My my degenerate crypto brand in X's that is uh oh eight hundred X. It's an eight hundred. <laughs> that doesn't make and, sense. And, and what's hilarious was you you would kind of see these tweets um, and it's like okay you know what the reason why it doesn't matter that the token price is basically dropping so precipitously is because you're going to end up with 600 times more than you have now. So it doesn't matter if it continues to decrease. But what we're actually seeing is that uh, as it tends to zero, people are waking up that uh, it's, it's going to be really hard to recover anything. You know, and if the, it, it, an 800x from zero is, is still zero. So, <laughs> and Luca, uh, it's, that, it's that meme... Luca, it's that meme where people say um, people don't realize that when something drops ninety five percent, it can still drop another ninety five percent. Exactly, and you know what? If there's any place, uh, any market in the world where uh, it's too good to be true, usually is the case. Uh, it's it's probably it, the output it's, market. It's these DeFi. I mean, Luca, it. I asked you months ago about Olympus DAO. And uh, uh, you, you know, I think you're, you're very, um, you know, not, I don't want to say risk averse because you're in crypto, like that's just not the case, right? But you, you are, you've got your head screwed on when it comes to risk. And you said, Luca, rather stay away and from it, like for now and just until the platform sort of, I, I guess, becomes more established. And, and when something, when something looks like this 82,000%, like it just doesn't, actually make sense like i don't think people can comprehend that when things are too good to be true they they most look i think most often I, I are think it, i think it's fair to say if you look at the chart it's basically uh it's basically a triangle right without the base it's like yeah. a, a straight line up straight line down uh, well not straight line sloped line um i mean if you bought at the start you would have been getting this APY into that price increase. And maybe that's even what bootstrapped this whole prognation thing because everyone thought they were going to become billionaires. Um, and, and probably if you played your cards right, you could have made a lot of money. I think, I guess you've always got to differentiate between are you investing, are you speculating? 
you know, like in, in terms of an investment, you know, you've got to be pretty crazy to invest in something offering an 80 something thousand percent APY, right? But then you're the guy who, who is saying he's going to be a billionaire in five years <laughs> and kind of holds all the way up and all the way down. Like I think yeah. fundamentally the altcoin markets are purely speculation. I mean, you could fight me on that, you know, maybe looks as an investment, but generally speaking, anything offering an 80,000 plus percent APY is, is, is not an investment. It's, it's speculation. Yeah. So, so going back to then key takeaways from this whole debacle, Luca, like f first thing is cost of anonymity. Where do we go from here? I think users would demand some sort of attestations to be done over, especially if the founders and the, the team behind the protocol have such a tight grip on the treasury and, you know, where, where there actually needs to be audits done of that team. And 100%, I think, anonymity is why we came for crypto, but it's not going to be the reason crypto stays relevant in the long term i think especially if we want and and this is the i think the next takeaway is if we want institutions to actually come into DeFi and to build up the space properly and and give it real real liquidity um and i don't know what your what your take on that is and and sort of mixing the institutional aspect of investing into DeFi with them having all their investment mandates knowing who the teams are yeah having all of those disclosures plus regulators actually trying to protect consumers at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, I mean, I was reading some, some comments somewhere, I think on Twitter or whatever, people had $60,000. They said they had everything in Wonderland and now they're left holding the yeah. bag and they're saying, what should I do? So where What's do we go from gambling? here in your book? Luca? I mean, I mean, they're gambling, right? Yeah. It's, it's, they, they, they think they're investing, but they're really just speculating. Um, and we kind of need to allow... So then, so then from a regulator standpoint, that. does it... If it's gambling... Yeah. I think the... the, the from a regulator standpoint, do you come in? Well, I guess, yeah, the problem is where protocols kind of present themselves as an investment. But it's just speculation. I think, right. the, I think things will be cleaned up. Um, I think fundamentally you know with things like wonderland happening there will be more awareness in the future um, at the end of the day you know as regards anonymity i think the fundamental promise of blockchain is just permissionless networks not privacy um, it's it's hard to it's it's hard to combine the realities of you know your your influential um, people know you have multi-60 projects with $500 million treasuries, um, you know, you're easy to target, right? The problem is if, if, if someone seizes you, um, they seize all your money as well. <laughs> so it's like, it, there's a real security aspect to it as well. Um, and it, it was interesting, like one, yeah. of the, one of the fund managers, I, I can't remember who it is, uh, one of the bigger VCs was speaking about his process of buying a house and it, totally opened my eyes because basically it was a huge nightmare when the 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 agency through which he was buying it basically revealed his name in the process even though he had bought it through like a holding company 
Uh, and in the end, they had to sell the house and move out because the security team couldn't make it work. So I think these guys actually have a pretty big headache uh, in terms of kind of securing themselves, their, their funds, their families. Um, so, so in some sense, I think anonymity is not a bad thing. Um, but at the same time, like we are going to get, uh, like we are going to get less of, um, these kind of wonderland fiascos in the future. I think things will be cleaned up. Yeah. It, it's going to get worse before it gets better, I guess. And I, I think I, I also, it makes me feel like there's actually a big opportunity there, Luca, to actually, for someone to build something between, you know, maybe the team who wants to stay anonymous and the users, so at least there can be some, and, and this is like my sort of experience in audit <laughs> coming through where the users can gain some sort of comfort or assurance over those team members through some sort of attestation or sort of uh, pseudo anonymity where, you know, parts of the important parts of the person's uh, background and credit and credit checks and all that sort of stuff is released to the users t as like a vote of confidence. You know, here you go, here's your, here's your um, sort of resume in that sense, but their identity, which they want to protect is, is kept, kept secret and on Twitter. They can be known as, as Sifu. I mean, I mean, that is one option. I think the other one is, and this maybe bridges into the whole BitBoy thing is funding people like Zach XBT, who we mentioned earlier in the pod. <laughs> I think if we have four people... Oh, like yeah, 100%. That, uh, ...that just throw people under the bus um, for not disclosing conflicts of interest, um, I think... CoffeeZilla. Shout out to CoffeeZilla on YouTube. I love yeah. love love his, love his channel. I've spoken about him so many times, but he's constantly revealing scammers and stuff. So funding those people, I think... Uh, is, is a good way and I know Zach XBT was getting a whole lot of donations from people I think he now has his ETH address in his bio uh, so you could just donate to his kind of research efforts but uh, Luca do you want to <laughs> right do you want to break the, the BitBoy story Luca you were breaking up a bit there uh, but I heard something about BitBoy story yeah I was, I was just saying uh, do you want to break the BitBoy story what where I I didn't read it properly, but basically where he Zach XBT made a graph, and Bitboy made a video show like taking his graph, <laughs> right about uh, I I could be just completely getting this wrong. No, uh, it, let it me quickly the, get it. it. Oh the, yeah, um, hold on. It was the uh, oh the scam uh, gun. The moonshot videos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, 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 or moon. So basically, BitBoy posts these like videos once a week about his next 100x altcoin, and basically, like XBT went and tracked the the like performance of all all his altcoins from the point of video. And I think, oh, was that a Zach XBT doing that? Yes. <laughs> oh, what a legend! What a legend! Yeah, what a legend, right? But they, and, and now basically all of them were like down ninety five percent from when Bitboy managed video. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. But I think the latest thing on Zach XBT's Twitter feed from today actually was Zach XBT was putting out something about some other scam and like with a graph and Bitboy made a video like I don't know, an hour later, taking 
um, the, the guy's graph that he had made himself and saying urgent, urgent scam warning popular crypto YouTuber rug pulls audience. And I'm not sure what this is related to exactly, but uh, BitBoy just being BitBoy, stealing people's content and yeah. but look, I think, and advising I think, terrible I think, moonshots. I think in general, I mean, it's it's been a bit of a wake-up call um, in DeFi. We've kind of exposed how fragile the system is overall. And I think in general, um, you know, we're going to have to just be more careful going forward. Yeah, and then and, and final takeaway from me, I think no matter how prolific the builder is and the, the prolific the team is, I think there's still got to be accountability at the end of the day. End of the day. I mean, we're seeing, uh, you know, Danny is now building something with Andre Krunia, another prolific builder, uh, builder of Yearn Finance, um, building in the Phantom ecosystem uh, that uh, solidly that project, Luca. I don't know if you've looked into it at all. But they 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 are building that project together, and immediate questions are raised over Danny's name now. I think, and his reputation has definitely taken a hit. So, you know, where no matter how good you are as a builder, there's got to be accountability. There's got to be the interests of the users and the people you are providing value for. In quotation marks, those interests have to be protected at the end of the day. And he has to be held to account to the wider user base, surely. So I think that's yeah. that's also a takeaway where I think these projects are just going to be false profit. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Great place to end, um, Luca. Anything else on the on the docket you want to mention? Sure, nothing from my side. Um... I just want to say a shout out to Q because we've we've missed him this episode. Yes. Um, I'm sure he would have been absolutely berating this, this project, and I'm sure he would have had a couple of things to say about uh, the market and stuff. But uh, we will we'll return to those shortly once he's back from his uh, short short but sweet sabbatical. And uh, yeah, Luca, um, thanks for the, the the great show, sharing your DeFi wisdom. Um, and uh, we will be back, of course, next week for lucky number episode 13. Uh, we will be breaking down the next best thing in crypto. Uh, maybe another. I, I can't promise that there'll be another huge scandal that breaks that we'll be covering, but uh, we'll be covering something <laughs> as exciting, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, thanks, Luca. Thanks, everyone who joined uh, on call in. And we will speak to everyone next week. Bye bye. <laughs>